Welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I've got a sneeze right in my nose. I feel like this might just explode out of my nose any second. So if that does, I'm not going to re-record this introduction. Uh, in this episode, I speak with a, in his own words, a Turkish-Kurdish London boy, Duran Kartal. He's an incredible coach. Uh, he is is born in London. He's actually in Australia right now. And this episode was was recorded about a month or so, maybe a month and a half ago. Uh, but I'm really excited for you to listen to it. We, we're really just shooting the breeze, having a good conversation. There's my phone going off in the background because I didn't put it on Do Not Disturb. Um, and a lot of this conversation is about coaching, becoming a better coach. So if you're not interested in coaching, you don't have to listen to this. But it is a really great conversation, and I, I like it. Darren a lot. He's a, he's a really cool guy. We met one time here in New York City uh, right before the pandemic started. So it's been fun to watch his growth on social media, and uh, I think you're going to like the conversation a lot. So I hope you enjoy it, and have a good day. All right, Darren, we are live. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm just in... I'm down under, mate, and I'm in Australia. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> man, do me a favor, because... Uh, I don't know how many people who listen to my podcast know who you yeah. are. Just like, yeah, give yeah, me yeah. an, like, tell me about, and like, for whatever it's worth, it's, it's for me too. Like, I don't know you that well. So yeah, tell yeah. me about yourself, what you do, where you're from, why you're in Australia right now. Like, just okay. give me the, give, uh, give me the whole scoop. Okay, cool. Uh, quick little intro. Uh, my name's Diran Cartel. I'm from London. I'm a London boy, a Turkish Kurdish London boy. Family of political refugees came into the UK in the late eighties. And then the best thing happened in London. I was born <laughs> in 1992. <laughs> uh, I'm a personal trainer. Uh, I've, I've, my sporting background is football, soccer for you Americans. There we um, go. Yep. <laughs> uh, I've been a personal trainer for the last 10 years. Um, but I've over the last three years, I started popping on social media. One of my best friends is probably one of the best guys in the fitness industry. Um, and now I'm known in the UK fitness industry for being basically breaking our basics of personal training, motivating people, uh, making training fun and easy for everyone and just simplifying everything, you know, and other than that, really, um, I think that's the basic breakdown. And I'm in Australia at the minute because uh, I'm actually here to support my best mate on tour on his book tour and I'm here for work. Uh, luckily, I could have got I got in because um, I'm actually an Australian resident. I've lived in multiple places. I've lived in Australia, Istanbul in Turkey, as well as London. So um, I am a bit of a wanderlust and I love to travel. And most importantly, I love to make people feel good, you know, create content, have fun, talk about fitness and talk to wonderful people like you, Jordan. I love that, man. So so your your slogan or one of the slogans that I see a lot is the neat up 24-7 yeah, I, it's something I've literally never spoken about on my podcast, and I don't really talk about it that much. So, do you want to talk to me about what yeah. that means and like how it can yeah. help people? Yeah, of course. So, obviously, on a day-to-day -day basis, everyone has their TDE, which is their total daily energy expenditure, and within that bracket, you have your BMR, your NEAT, your EAT, and your thermic effect of feeding. And the NEAT element is your general activity, stuff that you don't plan, non-planned exercise, really. You know, and I basically made it into a trend because it's one of the factors with fat loss that's um, I don't think is looked as much as it is now. 
you know, and um, it's actually a higher percentage of your energy expenditure throughout mm -hmm. the day, you know, because people always think, bro, you know, what it's like people think when they go to the gym, they think they're burning ridiculous amount of calories. What they don't realize is you should be going to the gym to build muscle and maintain muscle, you know, and yes. everything else you should be doing outside, you know, and uh, what I did was I, I wanted to simplify it even more by just saying just go for a walk right and although it is a planned exercise i was just trying to create people a more fun and basic way to get them more active because i do mm -hmm. feel like general population don't understand how easy it can actually be to be a healthy weight so by not giving them something complicated like a I don't know, a crazy training split or telling them to jump up and down in front of their living room. I just told them, <laughs> to, you know, go outside, go listen to my podcast, go listen to your podcast, go for a walk, you know, and you can. And the crazy thing is, so check this out. Yeah, I did this. I did the hashtag and I was like, I woke up the next morning and uh, the hashtag is knee up 24 seven. I did that and I was like, I get my knee up 24 seven, like doing dumb stories <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Bro, I woke up tags in Abu Dhabi, Australia, New York. And I'm thinking, what the, this is crazy. Saudi Arabia. I said, wow. I messaged back to the one woman in Saudi Arabia. I was like, are you even allowed outside? How the hell are you getting me out 24 seven? I was like, what is going on? And yeah, since then it's kind of, when people see me, they scream me up 24 seven. They don't even call me my name, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. amazing because I just, I guess I just wanted to, uh, give people a valuable message and it's working and now I'm kind of known for the knee up 24 7 guy and I, to be honest like I don't care I love it it's great it's a great thing to be known for man it's funny I, I made a video like a week or so ago basically why I think burpees are overrated and I a lot of people got mad but it was it was it's sort of the same reason along what you're talking about, where a lot of people, they'll go to the gym to try and burn calories instead of going to the gym to get stronger, to build more yeah. muscle, to yeah. improve their performance. And they don't realize that if you're going to the gym and just doing burpees all day, like you could get the same benefit, if not more, from just yeah. going on a little bit extra walk, right? Yeah, you're exactly. going on a walk outside of the gym, like get a little bit more active. And then when you're in the gym, focusing more on improving your performance, improving your strength. Exactly, man. And it's, it's mad because like you said, like, like, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know exactly how many calories you'd burn doing 100 burpees, but like, what do you actually get out of doing a burpee? You don't actually build much strength, right? You might build some conditioning, and yeah, the energy of all, the mother of energy systems is like your aerobic capacity, but still, like, what, what are you really getting out of it? So why not release that stress by not only going for a walk for like your mental health, as well as physically, uh, your physical health? But I like to... I guess, especially nowadays with everything that's happening, I just, I just tell people, just go outside, go for a walk and clear your head, you know? So, yeah. and it's just kind of puts it all together. Yeah. But even you, man, you're, you're stuck in a hotel room right now for 14 yeah. days and you're still getting over 10,000 steps in. Not to mention, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got Sonny Webster bringing you a bike and weights and you're still working yeah, out, but yeah. you got over 10,000 steps. It was funny. You sent me a video last night on WhatsApp of your, yeah. it, it's so funny, man. 
your optimism and positivity is infectious. Literally, like when I saw your hotel room, the first thing my my mind goes to is, oh man, that's that's such a small room. Your video is like, bro, I got this whole quarter that I, which by the way, the only place in my life I've ever heard the word quarter is in Harry Potter. But like, I've got this whole quarter where I can just walk. I was like, man, this guy's so positive that he can do like over 10,000 steps a day in this tiny little hotel room and be super excited about it. <laughs> Mate, I'm like, cause I think, you know what it is? I think so many of us like, concentrate on what we can't have mm -hmm. right it's like why don't you look at what you do have instead of worrying about what other people have like my best mate james at the minute is at the beach with the boys right oh, of course i'd love to be there but i can't be there so why even worry about that why don't i just appreciate what i have so today i'm i've done all my work i've done some content i'm on five thousand steps i'm gonna train i'm doing a podcast with the man jordan syatt you know so i'm just looking at what i'm doing instead of and making the most out of it, you know? And I think I think a lot of people, they they don't look at making the most of what they have and they worry about what they can't have too much, you know? So I just like to show people that I don't care, you know? It's funny, because I remember when I first when I first came across your content, I was like, man, this guy, he's so positive all the time. And in my mind, just because there's so much fake stuff on social media, I was like, there's no way this guy can be like this all the time. But man, like just the interactions I've had with you, it's always like, look at what you can control, focus, and yeah. if you can't control it, then what's the point of focusing on it? And then through that, just being positive and optimistic and, and taking charge of what you can. Yeah, and and you know what? It's mad because people see it, people feel it, they feel the energy, you know? Yeah. And um, they see it through the screen, it's crazy. Like my engagement from me being in London, as soon as I got onto the flight, like my engagement on Instagram, my DMs, everything is just went crazy because they can see like my vibe changing, you yeah. know? And it's, it's such a powerful thing. And like, even when people like, I talk to so many more smarter coaches than me, and I, anytime I talk to anyone, if, if someone talks to me about a topic that I don't know, like, I'm just gonna, I'm really honest about it. And I'm like, tell me more, I wanna know, tell me, you know, instead of being the opposite way. And I think people just need to realize that we're all kind of here for a good time. <laughs> You know, like that's why we're all here, right? <laughs> I, I wish like I, I don't put my podcast on YouTube. I wish for like that moment that like people could see the big smile on your faces. You're like, yeah, we're here for a good time. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, yeah, man. Ta um, talk to me. How, how did you become a personal trainer? Like, what was that like? Like, how what was that progression like? Uh, so basically, um, I my whole life I played football, right? Soccer. And what position? as you guys know, I was a centre-back uh, defender. Okay. I was like the the strong guy, I guess, on the pitch, you know? Yep. But um, I always had like a bit the, of a... That's the sweeper, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Got it, okay. exactly. You know, man, my man knows, that's sick. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, but I've always had a bit of a weight issue, right? And, and I think it's, not I think, I know it's due to my cultural background. Like my parents just weren't educated, you know, in that yep. sense. It's like, being a refugee, you go to a Western country, it's like, eat what you can, you don't know when you might get it again, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? So it's like, from that, um, I was a bit of a chubby kid. I loved football, I played, I was disciplined, I was always a guy that did the job, but I wasn't, I wasn't amazing. I wasn't amazing, but I wasn't bad. I was just, I was, I was good enough to be there, right? And I was like, how can I become a better athlete? Because I always thought 
my athleticism was the issue. And I kind of took my mind off the sport and worried about doing too much in the gym, right? From an athletic standpoint, I kind of did the wrong thing. But when I talk about going into the gym, when I went there and I was like, why don't I just get qualified? I was doing already my BTEC sport in college. Why don't I get qualified, earn a bit of cash working as a floor instructor, and I can train whenever I want, and I get a free membership. You know what I mean? So that was the main reason. That was the main reason I wanted to join a gym, to uh, work in a gym, so I can kind of become a better athlete. But then I started helping people on the gym floor. And one of the things I love is like interacting people with socially. And I never realized how powerful it is, how you can kind of inspire someone with a certain way that you speak, you know? Mm -hmm. And I realized I was like, fuck, coaching is fun, you know? And I always kind of held back a little bit because I was like, when I first started, I was like 19, right? I'm 28 now. I first started working in the gym when I was 19. So when people like hit me up on Instagram and PTs and stuff, they're like, oh, look at this guy. He flew up in two years in social media. I'm like, bro, I've been a PT for 10 years. Like, yeah. I've actually been, I've done, I earned my stripes on the gym floor for years, you know, yeah. through experience, you know? And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go into this more. And then I just loved helping people, loved coaching, became a personal trainer, qualified personal trainer, then PT'd in London, in Sydney, uh, and now online, which I'm fucking loving. <laughs> How did you end up going from the UK to Sydney for the first time? Yeah, so basically my ex was Australian, right? Okay. And so I, um, I moved over here because of her. I actually got Australian residency before I even moved here. I visited and everything. I got residency. I moved here. I moved here indefinitely um, in 2000. And I think it was like four years ago, four or five years ago or something. And um, I came here and I was like, I didn't know when I was going back home, which obviously was shit for my family at the time. And being like Turkish, they're very tight, you know, Turkish. Yeah, family. yeah, yeah. You know, immigrant families are like, man, they're just like, don't go <laughs> stay at home until you're married, you know, that sort of like, you know? And um, so I went there. And when I went here, sorry, I came here. And when I came here in, to Australia, um, I loved it. It wasn't home, but I went from taking personal training and coaching to like enjoying it and earning a bit of cash to making it a career. Mm. Because I saw the coaches in Australia and there's some really good coaches in Australia, right? And I, and I was like, raw. I can make a career at this. As soon as I saw someone telling me, one of the PTs, he had a penthouse in the city looking at the harbor. And I was like, how much money does he make? Like, he's like, makes like three, $4,000 a week. And I was like, what? I was like, what? This is bad. <laughs> so I he was only in, only in person coaching. That's all he was doing. Yes. And I was like, he was a bit older and no disrespect to him. I was like, I could do that. But I was like, I don't want to be a 40 year old PT. I don't, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Like I, I want to coach, but I don't want to be, I don't want to hear my clients talking about their business class flights. I want to be on business class, you know? Yeah. Yep. And I always, I've always had that mentality. I've always been hungry, that consistent, always been hungry. And I knew I would somehow get that and achieve that and reach that sort of thing. But I just didn't know how. Yeah. You know, I didn't know how. Then I met James Smith in the gym. He started working in my gym, right? Got it. So you were coaching there first and then he started coaching there? He started coming there and I was like, 
took him under the wing. Come here, big man. I'll take you. <laughs> I'll come here. Because in, in that standpoint, I was like, I was the man in the gym. I knew everyone. I was the, you know what? I was, I was the guy in the gym where I said hello to everyone. I spent time on the gym floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just like, I was that guy. So when he came and I was like, it's just another English lad. Let me take him for a coffee. Ended up being good friends. He, he actually, he was like, I took him to eat somewhere and there was a place uh, called Yaya's, a Greek place next to the gym. And on the menu, uh, they had uh, something called the Dirin, right? Oh, really? Because you went there so often? <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. They named the breakfast <laughs> after me, right? So he, James was like, why is your name on the menu? I was like... <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's thinking, who the fuck is this guy, right? <laughs> And um, and it kind of just kicked off from there. And at that point, James was like, had a few thousand followers on Facebook. Like he wasn't nothing like what he was doing at that point, but he was doing stuff online. And he said to me, yeah, I've got some online clients. I've been traveling. I said, online? I was like, my biggest issue when I was in Australia was I was, I missed my family so much that mm. I wanted to be able to go see them when I want, but still earn money at the same time. You know what it's like, if you're not earning money on the gym floor, you're losing money because you're paying rent. Yep. You know? Yep. And I was like, so what I said was, I was like, how? I said, how many online clients do you have? He goes, I maybe make like 400 pounds a week or something, which is like, not much. But I was like, I said, what the fuck are you doing here? I said, go away. <laughs> I said, get out of here. I said, how are you doing this? And he, he, he was the one that first showed me like, you can coach online sort of thing. Cause yeah. Face to face, me sales talking to people not an issue, but I'm dyslexic. I can't type shit. I can't. My reading <laughs> is awful. My writing is awful. You know, nothing like it is now. It's great. It's good now, but like at that point, that's how I got introduced to it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I've been doing it for the last three, four years. He had a business idea, and he needed an IT guy. My best friend was an IT guy at the at the time. I kind of pushed them together. They became business partners. I became the head coach of his academy. Yeah. And then, and then I was like happy, but I was like, I need my own thing. And I knew yeah. I had, I had the potential to do my own thing, but it just wasn't time for me. You know, I was younger. I'd, I had stuff I needed to learn online, not so much coaching, but online, you yep. know? And so I earned my stripes like that. Uh, James become he became popular. He started plugging me a few times, and then people loved seeing me and him, and then people loved seeing me, and it just kind of, it's a good time. And now we're here, you know, like it's mad, it's crazy. I love that. Yeah. The, it's so funny. I remember when I first started doing online stuff. First and foremost, it was, uh, it I I started my website in 2011, and I started it before online coaching was really a thing. Right. Yeah. And it, no one was really doing that. I know there were a couple people who like had started to do it and they literally like they would uh, they would accept payment by like they would write them a check in the mail and then they would coach them via email that way. Um, but that was like before they started doing it on PayPal or Stripe or Venmo, whatever it was. And um, when I first started it, when I first started doing online coaching 2012, 2013, there was a lot of kickback. There was a lot of kickback from the a lot of the people who had been coaches for 20, 30 years at that point. They're like, this is this is ridiculous. You can't coach people online. And yeah. and I get it, right? Like looking back, I understand why there would be that that divisiveness, especially because 
it, it's very different coaching people cool. in person. It's like completely different. But one of the things I've learned about coaching people online, it in the same way there are pros and cons to everything, there are pros to coaching people in person and there are pros to coaching people online. And, and I've actually found, it's so interesting. I'd love to know, because you're one of the few coaches online now that has a lot of experience in person, right? A lot of coaches now online, they never coached anybody in person. I think it's yeah. a huge mistake, right? Like coaching people in person sets a huge foundation. What's interesting, especially from the nutrition perspective, I've found people get way better results with online coaching than they do in person. I don't know if yeah. you've had the same experience. Yeah. Bro, my best transformations are my online clients. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I feel like people, when they hire people on the gym floor, they rely on them too much. And they, and it comes to that thing again, where I talk about like the whole knee up 24 seven thing. I like with my, with my online platform, I'm trying to teach people what to do on the 23 hours of the day, more yes. so than that hour in the gym, which I think is like one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people make. Yes. When it comes to the coaching, it's like, I think the only reason I think I could sustain doing this as a business for a very long time online coaching is because I did the initial shitty jobs that no one is now willing to do. Correct. Yep. I was, bro, I was cleaning treadmills. (laughs) I was cleaning treadmills. Do you know what I mean? I was cleaning treadmills. And now... Now it's like six week PT course. The first thing they do is change the link on their bio online PT. <laughs> I'm like, oh fucker, you can't even coach a lap pull down to someone on the gym. How are you going to coach people online? I'm not saying it's not possible, but training well and having a good physique is a total different thing uh, to coaching people. You know, yeah. you need to be able to deliver a message in a way that people understand. You know, and people don't forget that. One of the things that you said, you you went to the gym initially to improve your performance for soccer or for football, right? Yeah. Sweeper, right? Then through coaching people, you actually, you, you liked the, you liked the process of coaching. Whereas a lot of people in the gym, they, they like the gym, they like working out. And so what they'll do is be like, oh, I, I could stay in this gym all day because I love working out so much. So I guess I'll coach but they don't actually like coaching. It's a huge, huge difference. And this is one of the reasons why when coaches ask me like, Hey, like, do you have any advice for, for an up and coming trainer? The thing that it kills me, people will be like, Hey, how do I become an Instagram trainer? Like you, I'm like, bro, I'm not an Instagram trainer. Like what the fuck is an Instagram trainer? Like I started out like 14 in a gym cleaning yoga mats and like taking out the trash and being an intern for free, like not even getting paid, just coaching, 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 coaching. The the best advice I could give anybody, and I'd love to know your opinion on this, before you start offering online coaching and all of that, coach coach your family, coach your friends, coach people for free in person, get in your yes. garage, get people into a park yes. and coach them for free in like a group of five before you start saying you're the online coach. Yeah, for sure. Like um, what you said there was like an Instagram trainer. No, you're a trainer that is on Instagram. Correct. Yes, exactly. You know? And other people are on Instagram trying to be, be a trainer. You know, that's the yep. main difference, right? And what you said about coaching people, it's hours and hours and hours. You got to do a lot of things for free before something pops. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? So even, even when I was first helping out James, I was holding the camera and doing videos. I wasn't getting paid. I weren't getting paid. I, I wasn't expecting getting paid. I just enjoyed it so much. I was like, this is so fucking cool. You know, when you talk to someone that has no idea about 
nutrition, fitness or whatever, and you see that face expression, they're like, oh my God, I didn't know that. That yes. to me, yep. <laughs> that, that feeling is like, fuck, I've just helped that person. I love it. One of my favorite, it's funny you bring up that face, right? I, I, one of my favorite faces that I see on a client is when they finally feel a certain muscle working properly, right? Like, oh my God, I like the first time they feel their lat muscle working or the yeah. first time they feel their glute working properly, or the first time they feel their pec. It's like that face is a very unique and special face that like you, you wouldn't know unless you actually coach people in person. So, exactly. um, I'm interested in, in this is something like uh, on my podcast, I mainly talk to people who are who are struggling with their own fitness. That's most of what I do. So I don't talk to other coaches that often. When I do talk to other coaches, I love hearing about your approach, your approach to to training, your approach to nutrition, like more of the psychology approach. Like talk to me about that. Like how what's your approach like with clients? So with my clients, even not I, I like to kind of like practice I guess what I preach like and I feel like that's why people respect coaches usually like yeah one yep. thing I've learned over the years is to number one don't coach people like how you train which is a lot of mistakes P PTs do where they're like mm -hmm. the CrossFit PT teaching a fucking client that can't even squat to do cross snatch yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 some shit like that what I do is first of all I like to educate them and make sure I make uh, applying something that they enjoy I feel like if you do something you enjoy, you're going to be consistent. The mm -hmm. biggest, the biggest reason people are not, say, performing well in the gym or in a healthy physique and mentally is because they're not consistent. And the only way you're going to maintain consistent is doing stuff that you enjoy, as well as making sure you're rewarding your clients and rewarding yourself. You know, so, yep. for example, common mistake. People set really big goals, right? Mm -hmm. And they make a huge mistake with that because it takes them a long time to get a reward. And by the time they get the reward, they fall off. So when I'm coaching people, one thing I always say is small goals. Rewards will help you get to that last end goal. And even when there is an end goal, there's always another bigger goal. You know, we always want to be better, bigger. Always, but, always. Yeah, know, always. And I think that's, I think it's healthy, you know? If we're not, if we're not doing something or trying to be something, you're kind of like still. And when you're still, it's very easy to get bored. And when you're bored, when you've got too much time to think, bro, it's just, it's a, it's a madness, you know? Yeah. You, start, yeah. you start going crazy, you know, you start going crazy. And so with my training, as you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, bruv, that's the, <laughs> the goal for me is to get better at that. And the goal for me is to be able to do that as long as possible. And for me to be able to do that, I need to train properly in the gym to maintain as much muscle tissue as I have and yep. to avoid injuries as much as possible. And the only way that's going to happen is by training and moving and I guess stimulating those muscles that you need to in the gym so I don't become a black belt with knee injuries. <laughs> you know, <laughs> have you realized actually, funny saying that, have you realized all like the old school black belts, like they all got knee issues. And I just think because they've all got no bums, no glutes. A hundred percent. It's funny. Right. I was um, I was talking to my main coach. His name's Hoffa. And he's he's incredible. He's he's got real knee issues. He, he's got every issue: knee issues, shoulder issues, elbow issues, finger issues, issues on issues on issues. Yeah. But I was asking him. I was like, "What do you do for workouts?" And uh, number one, a lot of the jujitsu guys they don't strength train at all. 
like they don't do any strength training period but for the ones that do i was I, he was like yeah sometimes i'll do legs and i was like what's your leg workout like and he was like oh like leg extensions squats and and like that was basically it. oh and then some leg press and i was like so you don't ever train your hamstrings at all like you don't ever train your glutes at all and he was like well what exercises would do that so i just wrote him like a quick like four exercises per day for his lower body workouts it was like uh romanian deadlifts um hamstring curls on a physio ball single leg glute bridges and uh and then I think goblet squats and that was it. And he, and he walked in the next day. He was just like so sore cause he'd never trained those muscles. I it's any time, especially in jujitsu, but I think in many, many sports is a knee issue is exacerbated by you have a weak ass. Yeah. yeah and you see, it, and you see like, you see, you see flat bums and I'm like, and I tell people and I'm like, why do you think all my black guys don't have knee shoes, bro? I'm like, they've got glutes. I'm like, they've got glutes. They've got strong glutes, you know? And I'm like, so you need to work. And what people forget is like muscle, like especially with women, girls, if you're listening to this, don't be scared to build muscle, man. I feel like that's such a issue with uh, like in the industry. So many people are worried to build muscle. Like yeah. muscle is number one, it takes a long fucking time to grow. Like yep. it's, it's not easy. And number two, there's nothing sexier than feeling strong. Yes. Yep. You know, not looking, looking is good. Yeah, it's great. But there's no feeling like feeling strong. Like you and me, if we wanted to do bodybuilding stuff, we could probably be in a lot better physique, right? But how much cooler is being able to choke someone out? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just, the feeling is just amazing. So yeah, and I feel like the number one thing people need to do with training and the approach they should take is they need to be having a good time, you know? I love that. Uh, so, and I've, I've spoken about jujitsu on my podcast before I've done like a whole episode on it, and, but I want, I want people to hear it from you. Cause a, a I mean, I have a pretty even split of men and women who listen to my podcast, but I get a lot of questions, especially from women being like, is jujitsu safe for women? Do you think I should do it? Like, what do you think about that? As corny as it sounds like, I think for women, like it will save your life. Yeah. Think, yeah. Honestly, it will save your life. Like, and I don't know the rates of like, uh, like um, abusive relationships and all that stuff, but it happens. It's out there, right? Yeah. Especially now, more than ever, when people are in lockdown, you know. And I think self-defense is really important, especially in cities like New York, London. You know, yeah. they're they're like they're amazing cities, but there's it's also grimy. You got those grimy areas, right? Yeah, and. I think as a woman, I think it's definitely the best self-defense, uh, like martial art that you can learn. It's also great. You can go and train with your best mate and go 100% and walk out without having a broken nose because you're not sparring like that. Do you know what I mean? Correct. Yeah, it's not like boxing or Muay Thai where like you're actually getting hit. It's, it's, a, it's more of a grappling type sport. So you're, there's not impact. There's no impact. And there's something so humbling about it, the community mm. and of jiu-jitsu i love it you know you jump on the mats you're nobody you know you're, it's just respect belts respect and just that jiu-jitsu family atmosphere i love it I love, and every and the one thing you can do with jiu-jitsu is like i'm a big football fan right and there's no way in hell i could ever jump on a training field and train with david beckham cristiano ronaldo yeah but i've i've rolled with roger gracie a couple months back right yep He's the absolute goat of jiu-jitsu. I've trained at um, Atos, right? 
uh, yes. trained with Gal Val. He, I've done a Gal Val lesson. I did a session at uh, Enzo's. I did a, uh, a one-to-one with Nicky Rod and um, Danahar, a class with Danahar. Like, they're the best of the best. And that's the, one of the most amazing things about being able to do this sport is that you can learn from the best. Yeah. Know? Man, it's so crazy. I, one of the things about about jujitsu, just sort of like going back back to women in jujitsu, there's this young girl that that trains at Henzo's. Her name is Sophia. She might actually listen even to the po- she might listen to the podcast. And if you're listening, Sophia, what's going on? Sophia, she's about like 110, 120 pounds, 17, 18 years old. Dude, she destroys me. Like it's and she's so kind and she's so nice and sweet. Like, hey, how are you? Good to see you. She's super encouraging. Like anytime I post anything about jujitsu on my story, she'll do the clappy hands. But when we get on the mat, dude, this girl, she absolute like and I, <laughs> listen, I, I don't think I, I'm not very good. Like I'm a blue belt, but I wrestled for 10 years. Like I feel like I'm uh, like if I get in an altercation on the street, I feel confident in my ability to be able to like nullify the situation. Yeah. Dude, I can't do anything against this young girl. I can't do anything. Anything that I do, she lets me do. It's yeah. crazy. And I think like I couldn't like imagine being being like her confidence walking down the street. Her like just it's you can't fathom that level of confidence to know that no matter what situation you get in, you're okay. Yeah, 100%. It's like um how and it's so funny it's like sometimes like when you're rolling with like in your jiu-jitsu academy and some of the guys like some of the older guys they walk out after tra- the morning session with like their suits on and stuff going to their corporate jobs yeah. <laughs> and you're thinking bro this motherfucker is a brown belt killer no one would even know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like 100 like, percent. like he would be the guy if i didn't know this i'd be like what are you looking at man <laughs> like, <laughs> what what are you looking at bro <laughs> like but i'm thinking if any of those little gangsters try to roll up on this guy oh my gosh good luck <laughs> good luck it's exactly luck. right man oh my <laughs> god how, how did you get into jujitsu Oh, so basically, um, when I started working in the gym at 19, right, right, I had an MMA fighter in there, and he took me, he was like, have you ever done grappling? I was like, no. So I did a few little classes with him, right, uh, when I was 19. I learned a Kimura, but I, pl- I was playing football at that time, so I was just like, no, nah, this is <laughs> I learned cool. a I did a few sessions. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I was that guy. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know jiu-jitsu. I don't. <laughs> so I was just like, I learned how to do a Kimura, and then um, carried on playing football, and then when me and James left Australia to live in Bali, we just kind of took off. Um, I wanted to get into striking more and I loved Muay Thai and I still do. I love striking. Um, I was doing that. And then the jiu-jitsu coach in the MMA, Bali, in Bali MMA in uh, Bali, um, he was great. Started doing the classes. Got addicted, man. I got, we got addicted. We got addicted. And it was just like... After doing a sport all my life, I needed another sport to carry on. Yeah, and it's, I needed something it's competitive. The, yeah, yeah, uh, and I think it's so healthy to be in a competitive environment. Like, oh man, I couldn't agree more. A hundred percent. Like everyone's everyone's a winner. Fuck that shit, man. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? You know when they're like giving medals out to the, the the kid that was last? I'm like, that's bullshit, man. You can't be doing that because, like, not that. Yeah, the kids like he's congratulations but you don't teach they don't learn nothing from that you know 
when I was a kid, when I came last, I worked harder. I was like, what do I need to do to become first? Yes. You know? Yes. And it's yep. just that switch. And now what I've done in like with my training experience, uh, jujitsu, whatever, you kind of take that mindset into what you do with work and it fucking helps. <laughs> Man, it, it's so funny. Uh, a lot of people ask me about, you know, training ruts. They get into these training ruts. Like, I just feel so bored with my training. And, and I think a lot of that stems from not having competition, from, yes. from not having either other people to push you and there are many ways to overcome this. Like I think in strength training, something as simple as setting a goal in terms of how much weight you want to lift. It's yeah. one of the reasons why I'm so much more of a performance-based coach as opposed to aesthetics. Like if all you're focused on is is trying to get your abs to pop a little bit more, make your arms half an inch bigger, like it can develop some real disordered relationships with your body. But it, it's hard to be objective with with your yeah. with how you look. But yeah. A, a strength goal like deadlifting this much amount that's you either did it or you didn't getting this many push-ups you either did it or you didn't so i think in terms of like a, a training rut that's one way to overcome it but i think for a, a lot of people that i've found going into a sport whether it's jujitsu or or whether even if it's like like dance right where you have a team you have a community around you yeah. it's it's a different environment it's a different mentality and it really speaks to the importance of having not only a community but competition man i think it's really important for people even for the people who say i'm not really competitive you don't need it's not like you have to enter into a competition but having a little fire under your ass it is Mate. so beneficial i i with with my online coaching i do i do like uh leaderboards competition on my platform wow i love that how do you do that how do you structure that i got my i got a developer to build me something specific for me and i was like this is what i want and what I did is I, I kind of like, uh, I either pair people up to number one, help the community, number two, to give that competitive element to it. Because yes. the, the issue is most, like if, you're, like if you're general population and you've never done a sport and you want to be healthy, you want to do this, you want to do that. Competition initially might feel a little bit scary. You know, yes, it might feel absolutely. a little bit scary. But when you overcome that, not only does it help you with your confidence, but with the thing that you're trying to achieve with fitness, you know, whether it's confronting that you lost or that you won, uh, confronting yourself, what you need to do to improve, you know, because like, let's be honest, man, in today's world, like everyone's becoming fucking soft. <laughs> The way you just said that, so matter of fact. Let's just like, be honest, bro. <laughs> yeah, like everyone's becoming soft, man. It's like you have a problem. They can't even like tell the person they've got a problem with. They go bitch about it and they build something up instead of solving whatever shitty thing it is and then cracking on, you know? Yeah. And it's the same with all of that stuff. Oh, Darren, I'm not getting results. Why is this happening? Listen, the simple thing is, you're number one, you're not training fucking hard enough. Like <laughs> <laughs> number two, the main thing is you're not being fucking consistent. Number three, like I get that things are not great right now. It's not great for everyone, but I'm just hearing excuses, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. and sometimes yeah. people need that tough love. But I only do that with my clients that where I've got to a relationship with them where they respect me. To have that conversation yeah. with, I don't just turn around and walk off to someone on the street and go, 
you're fucking lazy, motherfucker. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, get your ass moving, boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> None of that. There has but like, some level of, of relationship before you can get to that point. Yeah. Man, it's like I need to earn their respect first before I can have a conversation like that, you know? And the conversation is, you know what? This is, <laughs> I had one client. In Australia, right? This was when I was doing face to face. Client story. This is going to be good. All right. <laughs> I was. <laughs> it broke my heart to do this, right? But like, she, it was excuses every day. Every day it was excuses. Every day, I took her to the room. She was like, "I've been training with you for this much, and I didn't get results." And I was like, "Yeah, cool." I said, "Drop the weights. Come, follow me." <laughs> <laughs> I was like. This girl needs a reality check. I said, come here. Took her to the uh, room. I said, sit down. I said, have you been doing everything I've told you to do? She was like, she's pausing. She's like, no. I said, how long have you been consistent for? How much do you yo-yo? How much do you drink? She goes, I drink every weekend. I go hard with this. I do drugs on the weekend. I do this, I do that. So I said, so how are you standing there on the gym floor trying to tell me that this is my fault? I said, Sorry to do this, but I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> wow, you, you fired your client. You're like, we're done. I, I said, but I only did that because I knew her so well that she was going to respond to it. Got it, got it. Yep, yep. I only did it for that reason because I knew her so well. She's such a nice person. You knew person. she'd want to come back and be like, no, no, let's do yeah. this. Yes, yeah, I knew she would. And I said, yeah, I, I'm not going to train you from now on because you're not doing it. I said, you're wasting your money. You're not, your head's not in the right space. Everything, I feel like you need to clear your head, whatever. She messaged me a couple hours later. She goes, you know, you're being really shit when your personal trainer gets rid of you, <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> she's like, how are you like saying no to me when I'm like paying you good money? <laughs> and I was like, because I don't need it. I don't need that sort of energy around me. I don't want it around me, yeah. you know? It's not about the money. That's not what it's about. It's not. It's not. It's not. And the good thing is um, she got the message she came back and she started doing really well. And I knew that would happen. And that's why I did yeah. that, you know? But obviously, again, it's just one of those things you've got to be really careful with, not walk around like a juice head and saying like, <laughs> like that, you know? It's just, I think you've got to be very emotionally intelligent to be able to have these conversations with people, which again is another problem a lot of people don't have, you know? Man, that's such a good point. That a lot, like, it's it's bewildering to me sometimes the the lack of awareness that some people have in terms of conversational awareness or like things that are appropriate or inappropriate to say, or even how to approach a discussion was it's like a lot of coaches, they really need to learn how to like, okay, there are sort of stages to, I, I sort of, I need to make a continuum of this. Like, okay, stage one is this stage two is this, like you can't say if you're in stage one and you say what you, what you could say in stage seven, you fucked up. Like this oh. is, you really got to be progressive with how you speak to your clients and how, how do they, how they, cause then how they respond to you will, will change based on how well they know you. Okay, exactly. So that number one, 100% agree. Uh, another thing that's kind of linked to that with emotional intelligence is your friend circles, right? Yep. Paul, Paul Lima's got a banter chart, right? Banter <laughs> chart. Okay. And this is something that the man, them, the boys understand really well, you know? People that are raised in areas where you have to be more emotionally intelligent, more street smart to get by, more so than yep. being more academic. Me, 
I was uh, academically, I wasn't that guy in school, but I picked everything up. When I'm out and about, I see everything, you know, and we've got this level. When you're with your close friends, right, you, when you've got a tight circle, there's certain conversations you can have. There's certain levels you can go to. Right. Yes. Paul, yep. Paul, Paul Lima can make racist jokes to me. I'll take it. <laughs> right. When someone else, but some people don't realize where, who and what can say what and when. Right. <laughs> yeah. did, that, did you get that? Did that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> so this one time we were out and me and Paul Lima like bantering and all of that. And this one guy from the outside that we met like 10 minutes ago or something, he said something. Oh, no. And I was like, bruv, do you think you're at that fucking level to make that joke? Do you know what I mean? Was he overheard us. A, was it like a Turkish joke? He, no, no, no. It was a black joke. Oh, my God. It was about Paul. About Paul. And I switched. I said, what? I said, what did you say, bruv? <laughs> and Alima was like, no, no, leave it. It's fine. It's fine. Alima was like, bruv, I don't know you like that. So don't, you know? And yeah. Um, yeah. And it was weird because it was out of nowhere. Because we also got this rule, like... I don't do certain jokes about my close friends in front of other people because then it gives them, it gives them, they think now they can joke like that. Yeah. When yep. can't. Which is why certain jokes, only when your tight circle is there and no one else is around, you know? It's like, you know, when you, with your boys, there's only certain jokes you can say in front of girls. You can't say everything in front of the girls. You just can't. You can't, you can't bring your brother down in front of girls like that, you know? He'll <laughs> <laughs> give, give you that look where they're looking down. They give you that look, and you're like, "You doing this right now, bro? You doing this, you're doing this right, right in front of in front of my yeah, girlfriend? Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Disrespect me like that? <laughs> you know? So it's it's one of those things which then brings me on, and why I'm saying this is, coaches and people need to remember they're training people. Mm. So no matter how much fitness knowledge you have, no matter how much you know on paper you're getting a message across to another person. Me personally, I listen to audio books and all that stuff, right? But I learn most from people. People are like, why don't you listen? Why don't, what about this book, this book? I go, you know what? I'd rather have a conversation with the person that wrote the book than read the mm -hmm. book itself, you, you know? And again, that just brings me in, on to coaches. Just need to remember when they're talking to people and when they're upskilling, conversations man i think conversations are so powerful podcasts stuff like this is so powerful man you know dude a hundred percent it's one of those things where i think this is one of the reasons why a lot of the the quote-unquote book smart coaches are complete shit on social media like that yeah. they're they've read all the books they've got all the certifications they they know everything from a to z they've they've got it down like they know the the perfect way to program for everybody but they don't know how to how to communicate with people, and I think that's that's one of the lost. Earlier, we were talking about the people who just started, who be, they became like an Instagram coach, right? Like they just, I want to coach people, so I'm going to coach people online, and they never coached anybody in person. On the other side of the spectrum, we have the coaches who have all of the education. They have every like on paper, they should be the best coach, but when it comes to communication, their clients aren't getting results because they don't know how to talk to them. They don't, they don't know how to say or what to say or what order to say it in to actually elicit change. It's, it's you, you could get all the certifications. You could know all of the exercises and all the technique. But if you don't know how to get your client to a point in which they're comfortable enough to actually make it happen, you, you're not going to get past the first session. Exactly. Exactly. 100% agree. And it's just, like you said, it's one of those arts that 
I'd get it lost. And it was funny because every time I worked at a gym and when I had all those, and don't get me wrong, need those smart guys. I need those smart guys. And I pay those smart guys that do seminars with me. I have a coach. Yep. Yep. I have a coach. I've always had a coach, you know, and I need those smart guys to help me to help my clients, you know, and, but it, it's, if people don't go back and fix that when it comes to the element of like coaching, then I don't think it's going to be good for them long term. Yeah. Agreed. You know? let, let me ask you this. This is a question that, you know, I, I have my thoughts on it. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts, like no BS, just straightforward thoughts on this. Cause I, I very much believe as well that the best thing you can do is find a form of exercise that you like. Yeah. That being said, not everybody's going to like exercise. Like it's just like, it's, they're just not like it's you no. Know, and I see a lot of coaches being like, this is what you've got to do. And I agree. I, I'm in full agreement, but what about the people who are like, but I don't like any of it. What do you okay. say to that? Okay. So if someone came up to me and said that, I'd be like, okay, cool. Because in essence, we are there to service people to make their life easier, not stress them out. Yep. You know? So if I knew that was causing stress for my client, which then is going to affect, I don't know, she might binge more when she's stressed. She might not be as active when she's stressed or whatnot. You know, what I would do is get them to work on, again, like I said, the 23 hours of the day, more so than training. And then I think when you don't force people onto something, when they start getting results, say, with very basic stuff and not training, they're like, I think they they gain this extra respect for you for understanding them, right? Yep. When that person realizes that I am actually here, I'm actually helping them, I think the people that initially don't like exercise, once they start getting results and feeling good, mm-hmm. the next step for them is exercise. And I think it's one of those natural progressions. They will, it will be the step that they make naturally. Instead of going again, when I, if when I get someone that's obese, I don't give them a training program. I just don't. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't, don't unless they really want to train. I'm like, okay, but you're only doing like two days a week. The rest is go hit your steps, uh, go log your calories, and learn about um, energy balance and this, and I'll teach you this and that. And then when they get a bit more confident, when they understand, then they kind of do that natural. St- next step themselves and you know what like you said not everyone might enjoy exercise but they'll enjoy people and people motivate people you know so Mm -hmm. you might you might join you might join me you might not like exercise but you might be like you know what i want to make Darren smile because i know he's going to be happy when i train which is why you should work with people that you like and you get motivated by it you know so that's yeah yeah that's my thoughts on it you said something that that i think you, you said it so nonchalantly that I think it's important to to emphasize. Like, you know, it was almost just like so natural to you that you're like, well, yeah, this is obviously what you do. And it reminded me of of one of my first clients that I trained. Her, her name was Dawn. Um, this was in person. This is in Boston. I was running this nutrition program out of this gym in Boston. And and she came in and, and basically she came in and she was like very like Boston people are sort of aggressive. East Coast people like a little bit aggressive. Like they're like, 
whatever. I don't give a fuck. You're not going to be able to help me. What am I doing here? Like, they're just like, they're, and, they, and like, they don't beat around the bush. Like, West Coast people, they're a little bit more nice. And like, East Coast people, no, no, no. So she's very Boston. Like, and she's basically to the effect of like, this isn't going to work for me. Like, I don't even know why I'm here. Like, I don't like vegetables. And, and I'll never forget that. And I was like, okay, you don't need to eat vegetables. And she was sitting across from me and, and, and she was sitting across from me and like her jaw dropped. And she was like, I don't want to eat, I got, I don't got to eat vegetables. And I was like, if you don't want to eat vegetables, you can lose weight without eating vegetables. And from there, all of a sudden she was like, we were talking and from there it was like, uh, I was like, so what do you think the biggest issue with you losing weight is? And she was like, well, I get really fucking hungry. And I was like, okay, well, what do you think you can do to help like stop being so hungry while you're trying to lose weight? And she was like, oh, I don't know, maybe I could eat some vegetables. And I was like, no, 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 no. We already said you're not going to eat vegetables. And she was like, I mean, I could eat some vegetables. And now literally throughout the conversation, she went from saying, I'm not going to eat any vegetables to then uh, arguing for herself to eat more yeah, vegetables. Okay. And it's one of the, it's, it's the nuance that you spoke about, which is if you try and force something on someone, they're going to give you the middle finger and say, no, absolutely not. But when you sort of allow the conversation to flow in which they can choose for themselves. And, but what I think the the point that you brought that was really important is in your progression, it took a little bit longer, which I think is important because this, it usually doesn't happen like that in one session. They start to see results doing something. Maybe they're logging their calories. Maybe they're just getting their steps in. They're feeling better. They're sleeping better. They're less stressed. They're like, oh my God, like this is working. And I haven't even started a training program yet. If I do that now, it's going to be even better. And now all of a sudden they get the enjoyment from the results, not from necessarily the the exercise per se, but from the results they're getting, which fuels more action. I, I think what you just hit on was a very important concept that a lot of people, both coaches and everyday people really miss out on. Mate, 100% is, you got to kind of, you got to show people you understand them, you know, like yep. show empathy. I get you. I hear you. Why don't we try this? Why don't we do this? Let's make it work best way for you. And there'll be times where they get frustrated because to some people, not to us, but like this could be really stressful for them. It's hard for people to understand. People fear what they don't know. And when they don't know energy balance, when they don't know exercises, this, that, it's scary for them. So you got you got to be like that. That's the only way forward if you want to help the masses. Now, if you want to be like a specific strength and conditioning coach that wants to train the athlete, then you can do that. But those yep. fuckers are never, those fuckers never appreciate anything. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I was just about to say, I remember when I first got into coaching, all I wanted to do is train athletes. I was like, so, I want to train athletes. I think that's why a lot of people get into coaching. It's like, I want to train the best of the best, but it's like, I, I've been there. Like I've trained professional baseball players. I've trained high level athletes. My favorite people to coach are everyday people who have regular jobs, who have got kids, they've got family. They just like, yeah. they just want to get healthier and move better and feel better because they work hard and they appreciate it. A lot of the, the top athletes, not all of them, but a lot of them, they don't appreciate the, the, the aspects of training like a lot of times they're so genetically gifted that like they don't even often need the training like it's like as if my training is going to make you a, a better soccer player a better like you see a lot of the stuff lebron james does i'm like man his coach he's got the easiest job in the world he could have you do literally anything you're he, no matter what you're going to be the best basketball player in the world whereas 
seeing the 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 improvements in just everyday people and seeing them how grateful they are and how appreciative they are and how much it's impacted their life with their spouses with their kids with their jobs it's that's the best part for sure 100% like again as corny as this sounds and I get like emails from my clients stuff they're like doing you're, you're like you're making a difference in people's lives and I'm like fuck that's so cool to hear like <laughs> you know what I mean it's so cool to None of my footballer mates are going to say that to me. <laughs> They're not going to say that. They're not going to say that. And the mad thing is people like, and I was the same. I was like, I want to train athletes. I want to do this. I want to do that. Those fuckers don't pay you, man. <laughs> That's exactly right. They don't, they don't appreciate it. They don't pay you. They, they, like, Because you know what athletes are like, man. They expect everything for free. Yeah. And especially the the younger athletes, like who are really, really good, but they're not pro yet. Like they're not getting paid. So it's like they're living on, on like coach buses and hotel rooms and like they're not living a lavish lifestyle. So they don't have they don't have the money to pay you. Like yeah, they're really yeah, exactly. on up and up. It's tough. It's really tough. Exactly. 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 Man, bef before we say goodbye, let me let me ask you just uh, tell everyone where they can find you, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's your podcast, like tell everyone where they can find you to because Duran has an amazing social media. If you're ever like just in the need for for an uplifting mood, if you just want to like get a smile on your face, like definitely go to his page. And, uh, and he has he's great content, really amazing information. I like everything that you do. So tell them where they can find you. Thank you, brother. Um, if you just search Duran Cartel, uh, B I R E N Cartel, K A R T A L, not like the Mexican cartel. Um, on Instagram <laughs> and the same with the podcast if you search uh, Doing Cartel the Doing Cartel show will come up same on YouTube pretty much same anywhere really and yeah thank you for having me man I really appreciate it and um, oh, this was fun I enjoyed it and you made you added this is the highlight of my day Jordan this is the highlight of my day and hopefully one day I can see you in New York again and we can go for a drink and a jiu-jitsu session man it'll be great I'd love that, man. Dude, thank you so much. This has been a blast. Uh, good luck with the next, what, 13, 12 days in quarantine days. now? Yeah, yeah, 12 days, 12 days. I'll make it, I'll make it, man. I'll fight the good fight. Thank you guys I, for I, listening. The, <laughs> con the, the content you've been making in during quarantine, even though it's been a day and a half, has been great. So I'm going to keep watching all that. Bro, the growth has been mad. I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Have a good day. Take it easy. Peace. That wraps it up for this episode of the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Darren, thank you so much for coming on. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. And as always, if you'd like to join the Inner Circle, I would love to have you. You can do that at www.sfinnercircle.com or at the link in the show notes. Have a wonderful day.